Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Let us check if this is working properly and at a correct volume to get my voice out there, making sure that you can hear me loud and clear, loud and clear. Something appropriate for us as a message. Um, and the only song I can really kind of think of. Hello, my love buckets, and welcome to a brand new episode, episode 16 of Beauty Unlocked. I'm Carissa. Hi, howdy. How's it going? Before we get into this brand new episode, I had to actually take a deep breath because you know that your girl here is going to start ranting and raving for the past few weeks. There has been uh, very strong energy. Uh, 2020 is definitely one of those years that will go down in history for many reasons. And as you all know, for all of you that have listened to me in the past 15 episodes, plus some bonus episodes here and there, um, or even through social media, and you've heard my sweet tone voice, you know that I have a tendency of ranting and raving and kind of going off on tangents. The past two weeks has been no different whether I've said it through social media or through um, conversations I've had with um, people and people close to me. As with many, many, many of you, I was angry, enraged, and disgusted. And not just in recent for recent events but for many years but it this the recent events have sparked a flame within as you all know i stumble and fumble when i normally open the show and today will be no different as you know we or we, well, me, myself, and I, we did not record a new episode because we did a podcast blackout in solidarity. And in order to take the time to educate, spread the word, sign petitions, and donate, and use any and every means that I have, and the privilege also that I have, even if I am a person of color, uh, I do have privilege. I've been using 
all my social media accounts and educating myself in various ways. I have to keep stopping because I, I'm, I get emotional and for fear of also saying the wrong thing. But I'm hoping that everyone, and I've seriously, I, I have been just in awe of the global response that there has been and the global response of standing in solidarity. And this is why I said that 2020 will go down in history because through when you look, I don't even know when you, when you look in history, there was never a time where people from all corners of the globe have come together and have protested and stood in solidarity with people of color and chanting Black Lives Matter and chanting no justice, no peace. And it wasn't for one day. It hasn't been for two days. It has been ongoing. And I, each time I see, you know, um, videos and have been reading reports and whatnot, I get very emotional. Uh, I have a tattoo that says, Dum spiro spiro, which means as long as I breathe, I hope. Humanity has stepped up and said enough is enough. And it is so warming to the heart. Everyone is, well, at least everyone that I know and that is close to me and others, many, many others that I have not met are using whatever platforms, whatever privilege is afforded, irregardless of creed and nationality and color um, have come together and it's just it's incredible it's incredible and and i'm getting uh emotional again this is gonna be one of those rough episodes like i have to keep on stopping <laughs> i'm just like oh my god seriously but thank you thank you thank you to all that have protested and have put their lives on the line as well and stood up against the systematic oppression, racism, bigotry, and hatred. Thank you for using your voices, no matter how big or how small your voice counts. Thank you so much for using your voice and standing up against injustice. Thank you for standing in solidarity. Thank you so much. It is amazing and there will be change because we cannot keep living in a world where there is systematic and ongoing oppression of against people of color marginalized groups we are in the 21st fucking century enough is enough change will happen it must happen i'm so grateful that I am here in 2020 and seeing this change globally. And I hope even if it's not Blackout Tuesday or Blackout Podcast, that we continue to use our voice in any way, shape or form. I don't care how big or small your platform is. 
there are many people that are saying, well, I don't, you know, want to use my platform to get political. You know what? You're the problem then. You stand on the side of the oppressor. And for people, for those people who say, well, it's not in my backyard, hence it's not my problem. It will be your problem eventually. So wake up, educate yourself, please. Check yourself. I, I Check yourself. Check yourself, educate yourself, spread awareness, spread the word, whatever means necessary, spread the word. And don't let this be a movement for one week or, you know, two weeks or, oh, let me get the perfect like social media picture um, holding a sign up, you know, in protest. But you have ulterior motives, which are not the right ones. Check yourself, please. There are more important things in life than how many likes you get on a goddamn post. I'm just saying. Sorry. I'm not even. Now it's like a different kind of emotional. I'm getting I'm getting enraged at this point because I've seen some things. But anyway, so thank you to all those that have used their voices, um, that have donated, that have spread awareness, that have used their platforms, their privilege and anything to protect and to give voices to those that have been unheard for so long and that are standing up, up against injustice and oppression and hate and bigotry. Thank you for being at the front lines also. Thank you for protecting your fellow human beings, people of color, by putting yourself in between them and police during protests. Thank you for being decent human beings because I've always said maybe not on this podcast, but uh, to my soul sisters that I have um, um, around the world. Irregardless of where you come, and of course, this whole thing of, this whole thing of how they have divided us for too, too long and have used that against us, this division that they have created against us. At the end of the day, what counts the most is being a decent fucking human being. I mean, yes, okay. Oh, you know what? A, a meat sack that we are. All right. Thank you for being decent. Thank you. So this will be ongoing. Uh, I will continue posting throughout my social media um, accounts of uh, to support black businesses, support um, our fellow black podcasters, and put up their sh- uh, their shows. How you can support them, follow them, subscribe to to to, to them on various um, podcasts channels apps whatever show your support however you can it doesn't mean maybe you can't physically be at a protest but you can use your voice you can use whatever means you have you can donate you can uh, sign petition make phone calls whatever it is please don't stand on the sidelines and keep on saying well it's not in my backyard it's not my business the fuck it isn't it's everyone's business at this point everyone's business and the common enemy are the uh, is the oppressor and we need to focus our our time and our energy to fight against systematic injustices police brutality racism as i've said bigotry and hatred There's no place for it in the 21st century, and we're paving a new way for future generations as well. So let's not be selfish and think only about, of course, be self-aware, but don't be selfish and think this is not your problem. It is your problem. Use your voice however you can. This is going to be a long podcast episode. Shit. (laughs) But um, just educate yourselves. Check yourself. Support Black-owned businesses and podcasts. Check yourselves. 
Keep signing petitions, but check yourselves as well. Keep donating. And most importantly, check yourself. As I mentioned, I'm a person of color, but I have been afforded privileges. I'm checking myself constantly. And also anything that's been ingrained by society from stemming from a young age and everything, whatever bias I might have or, or, or have um, unaware, unawarely, does that even exist, that word? Discriminated upon, discriminated upon somehow, I am checking myself as I have for years about other issues that I had. What, and you've heard them uh, in other episodes. I'm, oh, this bitch right here is checking herself on a constant daily basis. Check yourself, please. And just uh, a final, final word, and I will stop and continue with this episode because this has been a long intro. <laughs> uh, just uh, also to all the protesters, and our eyes are on governments and elected officials and everything, and our eyes are on the United States um, at the moment, as it should be as well, but also to all those citizens around the world, around the globe, please also look at your own countries and check the injustices that have been committed there too. And demand answers from your governments. And also a word to all world governments. I think you've actually forgotten something because, you know, you, you have a tendency of doing this. We have, as human beings, have a tendency to, to forget this. But um, governments, we don't serve you. You fucking serve us. Remember that. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, which many of you are not, we the people, we will use whatever means and our voices. And I'm not saying uh, violence and all that. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we will use our voices and we will vote you out. It is time for change. 2020 is the year of truths and the time for change. Enough is enough. Enough with the bullshit. So governments where you think your citizens right now are just looking to the United States. No, no, we're keeping our eyes on you too, motherfuckers. All right. Oh, and my soul sister Josie will know. A Jimbo of the CIA that's probably listening to every fucking thing I'm saying and writing and thinking. Um, go fuck yourself and check yourself too, Jimbo. All right, my PSA is over. And for those of you who don't know what PSA is, it's per public service announcement. My rant and rave for the moment is over. I didn't say I won't come back to it, but it's over for the moment. And we will continue with our episode. Are you ready? All right, so today we're, I feel like, I feel like I'm in the in in a classroom and I'm like, all right, students, today we're going to talk about <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, we're not going to talk about Jesus, but that's a whole different story right there. I'm not going to even go into it. But um, today we're actually going to discuss eating disorders and if social media or media in general has an influence on eating disorders. So, uh. A couple of months back, I was a guest on a fellow podcaster's podcast, uh, Mark McIntosh's podcast, The Pod Social. And we had like a bit of a discussion um, regarding, well, the role that social media does play uh, in today's society. And we spoke about many things. So check him out. It's The Pod Social, Mark McIntosh. He's the host of it. And I believe, I think I... 
I was on episode six, but listen to his show either way. Podcast, uh, shout out to the pod social. But we have a, we had a bit of a discussion about it. So today, how it's going to be broken down is that I want to talk about eating disorders. Yes, of course. But I want to actually discuss eating the definition of what it is um, in general, an eating disorder. And then we're going to look into each of those disorders and we're going to be talking about the three main eating disorders. There are so many, um, so many of them. But we're going to look at the three main ones. And then we're going to look at the media's influence. And if there is an influence um, on eat eating disorders. So that's how it's going to be broken down. I know you're ready for it. You're so ready for it. You're like, give it to me, Carissa. And I'm like, I'm giving it to you right now. So as always, and for every episode so far, I have found tons and tons and tons of articles. And obviously, I cannot, you know, add them all into like a podcast episode, although saying that this this episode is pretty long, but it's to make up for last week. You know, I'm just I'm just going to keep on like going and going. <laughs> I feel bad for you guys anyway. <laughs> but I found the ones that I have referenced are psychiatry.org nationaleatingdisorders.org and a few others that I'll mention um, below. So eating disorders are complex and they affect all kinds of people. Risk factors for all eating disorders involve a range of biological, psychological, and sociocultural issues. And these factors may interact differently in different people. So basically what we're saying is that two people with the same eating disorder, like anorexia nervosa, can have very diverse perspectives, experiences, and symptoms. But researchers have found like broad similarities in understanding some of the major risks for developing eating disorders. Now, the factors, the biological, psychological, and sociocultural issues, I'm going to mention them um, a bit later because first I want to actually discuss, and well, about discuss the definition of eating disorders and then focus on the three main dis disorders which are anorexia nervosa bulimia nervosa and bed or binge eating disorder if this episode isn't already difficult difficult in itself i had to get interrupted my dad walked in asking well telling me that he's going out with his friends tonight and i'm like okay what i'm recording oh man all right Sorry about that. <clears throat> so what are eating disorders? Eating disorders are illnesses in which people experience severe disturbances in their eating behaviors and related thoughts and emotions. People who suffer with eating disorders typically become preoccupied with food and their body weight. So eating disorders affect several million people at any given time, most often women between the ages of uh, 12 and 35. There are three main types of eating disorders, which I mentioned, which are anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and BED, binge eating disorder. Now, um, I believe it was episode seven where we talked about the rise of the spornosexual. So if you're new to this podcast, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and if you're not, you're a veteran. Um, the rise of the spornosexual, we did mention that there is a rising dare I say trend, that's horrible to say, but anyway, there is a rising trend with men who are suffering um, from eating disorders and a lot of the times they do not go and seek help and it is undiagnosed 
um, in many, well, many times because there is this stigma attached that, you know, um, oh, eating disorders are only like, only women like face this issue or problem. And in reality, it isn't true. There are many men uh, and it starts from a very young age um, when, uh, when they're very young, actually, that they start um, dealing with and putting themselves through very, um, how would you call it, unhealthy habits um, and unhealthy exercise habits and unhealthy eating habits. So, um, but yes, typically uh, women do suffer more from uh, eating disorders, but men are also affected. We're not forgetting about you, men. <laughs> You're there. So... We have people with anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa tend to be perfectionists with low self-esteem and are extremely critical of themselves and their bodies. They usually feel fat and see themselves as overweight, sometimes even despite life-threatening semi-starvation or malnutrition. An intense fear of gaining weight and of being fat may become all-pervasive. In early stages of these disorders, patients often deny that they have a problem. So eating disorders occur together with other psychiatric disorders like anxiety, panic, obsessive compulsive disorder, and alcohol and drug abuse problems. And there's no ev evidence that suggests that hereditary um, issues, well, hereditary may play a part in why certain people develop eating disorders. But these disorders also afflict many people who have no prior family history. So the thing is that without treatment of both the emotional and physical symptoms uh, of these disorders, malnutrition, heart problems, and other potentially fatal conditions can result. However, with proper medical care, those with and suffering from eating disorders can resume suitable eating habits and return to better emotional and psychological um, health. So now we're going to actually talk about... Um, the th like I said, the three main um, eating disorders. Anorexia nervosa is diagnosed when patients weigh at least 15% less than the normal healthy weight expected from their height. Uh, hallmarks of anorexia include limited food intake, fear of being fat, problems with body image, or denial of low body weight. People with anorexia nervosa don't maintain a normal weight because they refuse to eat enough, often exercise obsessively, and sometimes force themselves to vomit or use laxatives to lose weight. Over time, the following symptoms may develop as the body goes into starvation mode. So menstrual periods can cease. Osteopenia or osteoporosis, which is the thinning of the bones, through loss of calcium. Hair and nails become brittle. Skin dries and can take on a yellowish cast. Uh, some people who suffer from anorexia nervosa, they have mild anemia and muscles, including the heart muscle, waste away. They suffer from severe constipation. There's a drop in blood pressure, slowed breathing, and pulse rates. Internal body temperature falls, and this causes the person to feel cold all the time. And they also suffer from depression and lethargy. Bulimia nervosa. Although they may frequently diet and vigorously exercise, individuals with bulimia can be slightly underweight, normal weight, overweight, or even obese. But they are not as underweight as people who suffer from anorexia nervosa. 
Patients with bulimia binge eat frequently and during these times sufferers, uh, sufferers may eat an astounding amount of food in a short time, often consuming thousands of calories that are high in sugars, carbohydrates, and fats. They can eat very rapidly, sometimes gulping down food without even tasting it. So the binges often end only when they are interrupted by another person or they fall asleep or their stomach hurts from being stretched beyond normal capacity. During an eating binge, sufferers feel out of control. After a binge, stomach pains and the fear of weight gain are common reasons that those with, uh, that suffer from bulimia nervosa purge by throwing up or using a laxative. The cycle is usually repeated at least several times a week or in serious cases, several times a day. So many people um, don't know when a family member or friend has bulimia nervosa because people almost always hide their binges. And since they don't become drastically thin, their behavior usually goes unnoticed by those closest to them. But bulimia nervosa does have symptoms that should raise red flags. So people who suffer from bulimia nervosa have chronically inflamed and, and or sore throats. Their salivary glands in the neck and below the jaw become swollen. Cheeks and face often become puffy, ca causing sufferers to develop a chipmunk-looking face. Tooth animal wears off because the teeth begin to decay from exposure to stomach acids. Constant vomiting causes gastro oh, sorry, gastroesophageal reflux disorder. <laughs> Sorry. Laxative abuse causes irritation leading to intestinal problems. Diuretics uh, or water pills cause kidney problems. They suffer from severe dehydration from purging of fluids. And bulimia can lead to rare potentially fatal complications including um, esoph esophageal tears. So your esophagus can tear. Gastric rupture and cardiac arrhythmias. Okay, so now I want to take a closer look at BED or binge eating disorder, which, by the way, I, it's up to like maybe a few months ago. I think it was like maybe in March or something. I was thinking of doing um, eating disorders, an episode on eating disorders, and I didn't even know that um, binge eating disorder was uh, considered, well, was considered, well, it is, <laughs> but in the sense of I didn't know that there was an eating disorder called binge eating disorder. Um, and I actually found out that a very famous tennis player, Monica Sellas, I think it is. Yes, Monica Sellas, she um, actually opened up not too long ago about um, her battle with binge eating disorder. So we're going to take a look at what binge eating disorder is. So people with binge eating disorder have episodes of binge eating in which they consume very large quantities of food in a brief period and feel out of control during the binge. It's a bit like bulimia. Unlike people with bulimia nervosa, though, they do not try to get rid of the food by inducing vomiting or by using other unsafe practices such as fast fasting or laxative abuse. Um, the binge eating is chronic and can lead to serious health complications, particularly severe obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and cardiovascular diseases. So unlike the other two disorders, this one um, does, they do not try, <clears throat> sorry, people who suffer with binge eating disorder do not try to induce vomiting or use any forms of laxatives. So binge eating disorder involves frequent overeating during a discrete period of time, at least once a week for three months combined with lack of control and associated with three or more of the following. 
eating more rapidly than normal, eating until feeling uncomfortable. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Comfortably full, eating large amounts of food when not feeling physically hungry, eating alone because of feeling embarrassed by how much one is eating, feeling disgusted with oneself, depressed, or very guilty afterwards. So binge eating disorder also causes significant distress. And in the United States, it's said that um, BED affects more people than any other eating disorder, including 3.5% uh, of women, 2% of men, and 1.6% of adolescents. So like I mentioned in the beginning, <laughs> a very long time ago, there are risk factors for all like eating disorders, and they involve a range of biological, psychological, and sociocultural issues. So the factors that I'm going to um, mention right now, they may be applicable to those with anorexia, uh, bulimia, and binge eating disorder. So we're going to first take a look at the biological factor risk factors. All right, so the biological risk factors. So having a close relative with an eating disorder. And recently studies um, of families have found that Having a first-degree relative, like a parent or sibling, with an eating disorder increases a person's risk of developing an eating disorder. Having a close relative with mental health conditions. So similarly, issues like anxiety, depression, and addiction can also run in families and have also been found to increase the chances that a person will develop an eating disorder. Um, another factor is history of dieting. So a history of dieting and other weight control methods is associated with the development of binge eating. So now we're going to go into the psychological. So perfectionism. One of the strongest risk factors for an eating disorder is perfectionism, especially a type of perfectionism called self-oriented perfectionism, which involves setting unrealistically high expectations for oneself or yourself. So body image dissatisfaction. Body image encompasses how you feel both about and in your body. It's sadly not uncommon to dislike your appearance, but people who develop eating disorders are more likely to report higher levels of body image dissatisfaction and an internalization of the appearance ideal. Stumbling and fumbling along. <laughs> oh, personal history of an anxiety disorder. So research has shown that a significant subset of people with eating disorders, including two-thirds of those with anorexia, showed signs of an anxiety disorder. And this included generalized anxiety, social phobia, obsess and obsessive compulsive disorder. And this is before the onset of their eating disorder. So behavioral inflexibility is also a risk factor. So many people with anorexia report that as children, they always followed the rules and felt there was uh, one right way to do things. That's very interesting. I was sorry. There's like a little bit of a pause there. I was just like thinking, you know, when you have like a moment where you're taken back somewhere and you're like, wait, what just happened? And that just happened to me. So sorry about that. Oh, yeah, I think you guys are so used to, like, my shenanigans, honestly. <laughs> so social. 
risk factors, weight stigma. So the message that thinner is better is everywhere, and researchers have shown that exposure to this can increase body dissatisfaction, which can lead to eating disorders. Weight stigma is discrimination or stereotyping based on a person's weight and is damaging and pervasive in our society. And we've talked about this um, in previous uh, episodes. Teasing or bullying. Being teased or bullied, especially about weight, is emerging as a risk factor in many eating disorders. The harmful effects of bullying have received increased attention in recent years, starting an important national conversation. 60% of those affected by eating disorders said that bullying contributed to the development of their eating disorder. Weight shaming needs to be a significant part of anti-bullying discussions, particularly in the context of the widespread anti-obesity messaging. Uh, sorry, of the yeah widespread anti-obesity messaging. Appearance um, ideal internalization. Buying into the message of the socially defined ideal body may increase the risk of an eating disorder by increasing the likelihood of dieting and food restriction. So we have uh, acculturation. So people from racial and ethnic minority groups, especially those who are undergoing rapid westernization, may be at increased risk for developing an eating disorder due to complex interactions between stress, acculturation, and body image. And um, I'm not too sure. I was like, wait, so what does acculturation mean? So I, I looked it up. And it's the assimilation to a different culture, typically the dominant one. Sound familiar? Actually, there's a, a study that was done back in 2002 that I will mention after these risk factors. So one last social risk factor is limited social networks. So loneliness and isolation are some of the harm, hallmarks of anorexia. Many with a disorder report having fewer friends and social activities and less social support. Whether this is an independent risk factor or linked to other potential causes, such as social anxiety, isn't clear, and they need to do more research about it. So I mentioned to you um, that there was a a study done back in 2002, uh, and this is how it ties into uh, acculturation. So back in 2002, uh, there was a study um, that was published that assessed the influence of television on eating attitudes and behavior. And this was um, conducted on Fijian girls. So the Fiji Islands didn't have access to mainstream television prior to 1995, so which gave researchers the chance to truly see how attitudes and behaviors changed once TV arrived. So Fijian culture traditionally values curvy bodies. Large appetites are encouraged while dieting is discouraged. So in 1995, adolescent girls were surveyed and it was found that virtually none of them reported dieting in order to lose weight. Additionally, none of the girls reported self-induced vomiting. In 1998, though, after three years of exposure to Western television, the survey was repeated with the following results. And you guys know how I feel about statistical data. So 11.3% indicated self-induced vomiting to control weight. 69% reported dieting. And 74% reported feeling too big or fat at least some of the time. It also uh, found out that girls who lived in a house with a television set were three times more likely to experience disordered eating behaviors than those who didn't. Although it is difficult to generalize these results with regard to all other cultures, the study shows that the media, and television in particular, does have an impact on body image and eating behaviors. Uh, 
So a follow-up study showed that just having friends who watch television could also increase the risk of eating disorder symptoms. So that was a very interesting study that I found through my research um, on a 2002 study that was conducted on Fijian girls. So we have finally gotten to the part where you guys are like, thank God. <laughs> but I definitely wanted to give you a background and background information, risk factors, what each eating disorder or the symptoms of each eating disorder, the mindset also of someone who does suffer from either um, bulimia, binge eating disorder, or anorexia. And now we're going to see if social media has an impact um, on eating disorders. And I found so many articles, but some of them were written kind of mm, a few years back where yet social media, let's say, just kind of started. And I'm going to cite actually this one that I found on Magnolia Creek. Com. Um, and it was written last year on May the 23rd. So it's a year old, this article. The other ones that I found were written like back in 2012, some in 2015. So it was a little bit different. Yes, social media ha has had been around for quite some time by then. But now it's really kind of everywhere you turn their social media. So this article... Uh, starts off that saying like social media is one of the greatest communication tools and has changed the way we engage with one another it's true and actually on mark's podcast we actually talked about this of it is a great way to communicate especially if you've how would you say you have friends that you know are moving around and you get to be a uh, how would you say like you would get to be kind of a part of their lives like through what they're posting so um, the social media platform allows us to connect and communicate with anyone anywhere, whether we post a picture, send a tweet, or update our status. So our lives can be in full display, and that depends on how much you want to display your life. I mean, it could be just a little part of it or everything. Um, it's our choice, basically. It also has the power to wreak havoc for someone suffering from an eating disorder and be even more detrimental to those in recovery. So while social media alone is uh, while social media alone is typically not the sole cause of developing an eating disorder, as we've talked about previously, it can play a significant role for those susceptible to eating disordered behaviors, anxiety, and depression. So we're going to look at more statistical data, and you guys know how I feel about statistical data. The reason why I get off on statistical data is that it paints a more realistic picture. <laughs> of whatever the research was conducted on and it makes it even more real so pew research center um conducted this um research and it mostly focuses on the u.s so um it says that 69 percent of u.s adults use facebook 73 percent of u.s adults use youtube 75% of 18 to 24-year-olds use Instagram. 73% of 18 to 24-year-olds use Snapchat. So while we see that maj the majority of Americans use social media, what is even more surprising is how often. So 74% of U.S. adults use Facebook daily, with 51% visiting several, several times a day. 
Roughly 77% of Snapchat users and Instagram users aged between 18 to 24 use the apps several times a day. So this kind of really paints a more realistic picture of how social media is very influential and has kind of taken over our lives. So we're going to look at the connection between social media and eating disorders. So the National Eating Disorder Association um, conducted a study of women between the ages of 18 and 25, and it showed a link between Instagram and increased self-objectification and body image concerns, especially among those who frequently visited Fitspiration images. Americans spend around two hours a day on social media potentially exposed to unrealistic ideals of beauty, diet talk, body shaming, thinspiration, weight loss posts, and more. Another study of social media users showed that higher Instagram usage was associated with a greater prevalence of orth... Oh, this is something new. This is what I... Seriously, this is a new term. Orthorexia nervosa symptoms, highlighting the influence social media has on psychological well-being. Social media is used to share everything, and it has become a significant tool for influencing others and placing value on the perfect body and appearance in several key ways. Now, I want to go back to orthorexia nervosa, because I was like, what, what, what is that? So let's get into it. Orthorexia nervosa. Although not formally recognized in the Diagnostic and t- Statistical Manual, awareness about orthorexia is on the rise. The term orthorexia was coined back in 1998, and this is what it means. It's an obsession with proper or healthful eating. Although being aware of and concerned with the nutritional quality of the food you eat isn't a problem in and of itself, people with orthorexia become so fixated, what the hell fixated I was about to say, fixated, Jesus, so fixated on so-called healthy eating that they actually damage their own well-being. So it's a bit difficult to estimate exactly like how many people have orthorexia because there isn't like a formal diagnostic criteria. And it's still like a debate whether it's a standalone eating disorder or a type of existing uh, eating disorder such as anorexia. Oh my God, I was about to say, oh God, I don't even know, but anorexia. Or is it considered a form of obsessive compulsive disorder? We're not sure yet. But studies have shown that many individuals with orthorexia have also uh, also have obsessive compulsive disorder. So this is very, uh, very interesting. I'm actually going to post the warning signs and symptoms of orthorexia because there is quite a few. And also I'm going to post... um, the health consequences of orthorexia on social media. There would be Facebook. I love it on social. We're talking about it, but like on Facebook or on Instagram. So you guys can actually see um, what some of the signs and symptoms are of orthorexia. So as we mentioned before, social media, we share everything on it and it's really become a significant tool and it influences many, many people um, around the world. So We previously mentioned the several key ways of how it influences and places a value on the perfect body, which we've talked about so much, so, so much. 
So, how? Body objectification. Pictures on social media, many of which are altered, hello Photoshop, Facetune, and all those apps, uh, play a role in how one seeks validation, often finding our worth by how many likes and comments we receive. Um, the writer of this article says that she has worked with individuals that have used this to decide if they were going to eat that day or not. Selfies on social media can potentially send a message that our beauty determines our worth and our body, a message of which many with an eating disorder struggle with. So also the, the comparison, which I've actually talked about in Mark's um, podcast and on this podcast, the nature of social media lends itself towards comparison as we often judge ourselves against others' highlights, reels of success and happiness. For someone in the depths of an eating disorder, this can be very toxic and they can compare their body image to those seen on social media. Um, as stated before, the images are often altered and paint an unrealistic picture of how we think we should look. Now, I've mentioned this many, many times on previous episodes. Um, we don't know, you know, what what has been altered, how they've been altered, the apps used to alter um, these images, what filters have been used and everything. The list can go on and on and on. Uh, it's no different than how magazines used to Photoshop, you know, whether it be celebrities or models, this, that, or the other. So, um, again, it's, it's placing our worth on beauty, basically, and what our body looks like. And it shouldn't be like this. But unfortunately, and this whole point of this podcast is that this is the society that we live in. So how can social media trigger? Well, for those in recovery, social media often triggers to engage in eating dis disordered behaviors. Uh, from personal experience and from women I have treated, um, I have seen these triggers often come from posts about weight loss, workout routines, dieting, and the image of unrealistic ideals of body sizes. So for example, there are many posts of before and after weight loss photos that may trigger the urge to lose weight by any means necessary. The author, the author says that be mindful and aware of the nature of social media and view perfect yet edited images for what they are. Also, be aware that the content you see might be a facade and those posting might be concealing their issues behind smoke and mirrors. So as mentioned previously, um, also, I believe it was episode two. Yes, where we talked about body dysmorphic disorder and Snapchat dysmorphia, as well as the rise of spornosexuals, uh, the rise of spornosexuals also, which was episode seven. I'm trying to remember everything, all episodes. We can't solely blame social media for, um, let's say, pe people who have or who um, develop eating disorders. It is part of many, many factors. Like we said, there are biological factors, psychological factors, and social factors involved. Um, whether or not you, well, as research suggested that maybe you have, you know, um, a family history where someone um, has suffered from uh 
an eating disorder, but there are so many other factors involved. So we cannot, at the end of the day, just blame social media, even though the numbers that we talked about, we can see how it does influence us. Yes, there is this culture of comparison and um, and 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 all these things, but it's it's kind of just a small part of it. And even though social media has taken over our lives somehow in some way, and we are more prone to see more images, images, images of, again, that perfect ideal body, the perfect hair, the perfect this, the perfect that. We have to keep in mind that um, there is no such thing. And I know, like I've said many times, that it's easier said than done um, to say, you know, love yourself. And we even mentioned it in, I believe it was in the episode about colorism, or yes, it was the episode of colorism, And the episode after that, which I cannot remember, Lord have mercy, why can I not remember? I've drawn a blank, but there is so much, you know, whether it be that we've been force fed since of, uh, you know, our our youth, um, also that society has been force fed and also this kind of Western ideal of beauty that has been force-fed to us through the ages so it's not something that we're living in this lifetime it's been happening for a very long time so again putting the blame on solely social media saying yes you know it makes you um you know have or start having really bad behaviors towards like food and towards yourself no it's just a small part uh And of course, we can't say that social media is all bad because like we said, it does keep us connected somehow, um, especially with recent events. Um, But it's also a way to stay connected with friends, with family that might be far away. And it's also something that I mentioned on Mark's um, podcast is that, yes, we see, there's the two sides of it. Yes, we see like maybe like all these images of, and this is in air quotes, the perfect ideal body, but because we're in control of social media, there are um, many influencers who are are spreading body positivity, um, who are showing us that they are real as well and that there is nothing wrong and nothing shameful about any of our body parts. So there is the pros the pros and the cons and we can have the longest conversation, but we can't just blame social media for um, us de- us developing. I mean, listen, I had a I had and I suffered for a very long time with an eating disorder. Always been straightforward with you guys. And this was long before social media. You know, and this is, again, stemming from childhood trauma, from from uh, ideas that were force fed upon me, whether it be from magazines, from TV, from my family. Social media didn't come into my life until 2007, and it wasn't as it is today. It was a it was completely different, you know, Um, and it didn't take over our lives in a way as it has today. So I cannot solely blame social media for my eating disorder that I had in the past and sometimes still struggle with. I'm not going to lie. Um, I can't blame the images only of what the images of what I see on my psychological, you know, well-being. It's a lot of factors. And I'm sure that you guys can also relate. I know I'm not the only one. That was the whole point, actually, of Beauty Unlocked to show that I'm not the only one struggling with this. And there have been many people who who have shared their stories 
uh, on Instagram, on Facebook um, about certain topics that I have covered. So I was just like, I know. And and I knew that I wasn't the only one. And I know that you're not the only one. And I know it's difficult, again, in a society that first said, hate yourself. And now it says, love yourself. Like, what the hell? Um, the contradictions. And it's it's an ongoing struggle every day. There's always that moment where you're just like, I can't love myself today. And that's okay. It's okay to not love yourself every single day. I know the struggle is real. But it's it's good to also surround yourself with images and surround yourself with people who love and uplift you. So, you know, one of those things that I do every month is actually throughout all my social media is that I go through who I'm following. And if they don't serve, that sounds weird if they don't serve a purpose, but if they don't make me feel good in any way, shape or form, I'm like, why the hell am I following them? And I start unfollowing. I really don't care, you know, because I'm more into my well-being than who I'm following. I want to feel good when I'm looking through my feeds. I want to see things that are uplifting. I want to see images that are uplifting. I want to see, you know, whether it be quotes or whether it be pictures that are just uplifting and showing people the real side of themselves not this filtered image i not like filters are okay it's not even filters but i don't want to see photoshopped images i don't you know i'm just like mm. and even you know i want to read inspirational stories none of that the shenanigans and fuckery of do you want to have a six pack in like three weeks go fuck yourself okay seriously it's like no actually um and i don't want to put pressure on myself anymore so this has, I do believe, this has been the longest episode <laughs> um, ever. But that's because I had to rant and rave and also had to give my opinion <laughs> and also like deliver um, this episode to you guys. And I do hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know there's so much information. I really wanted to go in depth about the three main um eating disorders, you know, the symptoms, the warning signs, what they are, the def definition of them. And yeah, so, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you, you took something away from this episode. And as always, you can follow me on social media on Beauty Unlocked. Well, it's at Beauty Unlocked podcast on Instagram. We have the Facebook page and the Facebook book group as well. Um, I'll, I will be posting content for, you know, this episode, future episodes, but as well, like content in support of, you know, um, black owned businesses and uh, podcasts. And also, you know, if there are petitions to sign, I will be posting them where you can make phone calls and everything um, to join this global movement. And so with that being said, as you all know, the message is always to love each other, love yourselves, spread some of that sweet, sweet love. Let's eradicate the hate, the bigotry, um, the inequality, the injustices. Don't forget to spread some of that sweet, sweet love this way. As always, you will hear from me next week unless I post it on social media, but you will hear from me next week. I wish you guys a very good week and weekend and you'll hear from me very soon bye out with the old and in with the new 
Start your new year with Yahoo Small Business with everything you need to start and grow your business. Find a domain, get a business email, and create a new professional website. Have a business idea and don't know where to start? Visit www.yahoosmallbusiness.com. It takes a lot to turn an idea into a business. Yahoo Small Business has everything you need to start and grow your business. Get online for free. Visit www.yahoosmallbusiness.com.